Reno Busta leads 5-2. Evans serving 2-5. Live reaction here. Live commentary. 8-10 West Coast, 11-10 tournament time. Drop shot volley from Carreno Busta. Evans serving to stay in the match at 2-5. Love 15, as you just heard. Carreno Busta, three points from the final. Live reaction and commentary here on the pod. Return winner from Carreno Busta. Two points from the match. Carreno Busta's won 10 consecutive points. It's been a tight match. I haven't seen most of it, unfortunately. Okay, here's the love 30 point. Triple match point. Carreno Busta won the first set 7-5. Evans saved match point to take the second set Double fault. This is Carreno Busta's first final at the Masters 1000 or the Grand Slam level. He had some semis before like we talked about yesterday. Okay, let's take a look at the stats. They're on my screen live here. Total points 1, Carreno 112, Evans 98. In the end, the last couple games, uh, Carreno was definitely the deserving winner. 2 hours 57 minutes, Carreno Busta beats Dan Evans. 7-5-6-7-6-2. Two tight sets, and then Carreno pulls away in that third set there. I'm awaiting his interview here. We'll listen to that live. It was a good run for Dan Evans. Second Masters semi but outplayed in that third set there. Still a good week for him. 
but I wouldn't put Dan Evans in the Cincinnati or the U.S. Open conversation. Looks like Carreno's talking to the local tournament media first, then he'll speak with the ATP media in just a moment. Carreno Busta's good. He's a good hardcore player. He could... He could be in the U.S. Open conversation and the Cincinnati conversation for sure. Again, I'm waiting for him to speak to the media here. We'll do something a little different. We'll get his reaction. We'll get his live reaction. So the final will be Kareno Busta against Hercotch. That'll be tomorrow. Okay, still waiting for him to speak. So, let's go for, through a full score rundown today. For the men, Hubert Hercotch beat Casper Rude, 5-7-6-3-6-2. Pablo Carreno Busta beats Dan Evans, 7-5-6-7-6-2. We're recording this literally minutes after Carreno's victory. 11.18 tournament time, 8.18 p.m. here on the West Coast. Um, in segments coming up, you're going to hear match reports about the other matches. And uh, I'll save my commentary about that for those segments. The schedule for tomorrow isn't officially up yet for the men, but I believe the final's at 4, but I don't want to go with that as a final until it happens, until I see visual confirmation of that. Again, I'm waiting for Carreno to speak to the media here. He has well, This was arguably the match of the tournament, maybe one of the matches of the year. Was it as fun to play as it was for us to watch? Well, I thought it was uh, more funny for, for <laughs> funnier for both, for, for, the, for the crowd, for the... For, for you, but for me it was uh, tough, no? It was tough because uh, I have a match ball in the second set. I, he served really good, so I couldn't do anything. But, you know, when you have a match ball and you have to play another set, it's always uh, hard to do it. Mentally, I think that I was uh, very, very good. Uh, probably at the beginning of the third set was the worst uh, part of the match. But after that, I, th I, I thought that I need to be more aggressive and, and I made it, no? Uh, I tried to push a, a lot, tried to go to the net and it was good. And it's going to be your first Masters 1000 final. Why now? What, what's working so well for you now, tennis-wise and mentally? Why not now, no? <laughs> That's the question, no? Uh, I, know, I don't know. Uh, probably one of the worst uh, years of my career. Uh, making not really good results, just uh, the final in Barcelona and semi-finals in Bostad. And now, this week, I don't know why, but <laughs> the level was, was unbelievable. Uh, I played really, really good matches at the beginning of the tournament. It's true that yesterday uh, it was not the best match, but I suffered and I compete a lot. And today also the same. Uh, probably I didn't make the, the best tennis of the, of the week. But, you know, it's very important to, to win this kind of matches also when you are not playing Josh Bert tennis, tennis. And happy to win the final. It'll be the biggest final of your career. Does that excite you or make you nervous? No, for, for sure excited. No? Uh, I think it's a big opportunity to me to, 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 to know how to do it. No? Uh, for me, for myself, for my confidence, it's very important to tomorrow to go on court and try to do my best, no? to be aggressive and play my tennis. We can't wait to see it. Thank you. Thank you. It's very important for you. I think for me, for the whole team, maybe we didn't have a very good year to demonstrate to myself and to everyone that I still have the level, that I can be there, that this week 
eh, he dado un nivel espectacular, sobre todo en los, en los primeros partidos de la semana. Quizás ayer pues, no jugué del todo bien, pero supe sufrir en los momentos importantes y eso pues, hizo que me llevara el partido. Y hoy un poco igual, ¿no? eh, está claro que unas semifinales de Master 1000 no son nada fáciles. He tenido que luchar contra los nervios también de, de verme en la final y creo que al final lo he conseguido y estoy muy contento. Gracias. Gracias. Okay, I think that's enough. So, again, you just heard Pablo Carreno Busta's live post-match reaction captured here live on the podcast. So, that is going to serve as the match report on this semifinal. I previously recorded some segments today talking about the other matches. So, let's roll that footage and then I'll rejoin you after that. Let's talk about the matches from earlier. Hey everyone, so this is the report from the day session matches today. The first match up today was the first semifinal in Toronto between number 7 seed Jessica Pagula and number 15 seed Simona Halep. This match got underway at 1.08 p.m. in Toronto. First, let's talk about the match, then we'll talk about the backstory of each player. So, this was the first meeting between Pagula and Halep, and let's start by going through my notes. So, Halep got the match underway. She held her first game saving a breakpoint despite double faulting twice. But then after that, Pagula got an early foothold in the match. She broke on a double fault to go up 2-1. And then she got another break to go up a double break at 4-1. She held that game to go up 5-1. Halep did hold her serve, serving at 1-5. And then Pagula served out the first set 6-2 somewhat routinely. And in this first set in particular, Halep displayed a lot of those negative emotions that we've seen from her. The thigh slapping, the talking, the gesticulating, and... uh, throwing or tapping or gesticulating with her racket. And at times, that can be hard to see from Halep. It can be uncomfortable to watch, and if you know it's coming, it can make you anxious as a viewer, or it can make you feel some sympathy for her. I do wish that Halep would maybe allow her... If you're... If you heard that there, we got a car going by on the street there. I'm recording with the window open. Got to get a little air in here. It's 7.03 p.m. on the West Coast, by the way. 10.03 tournament time. There's an ATP match still going on, but I decided to record this a little bit earlier. Anyway, no tangents. So let's get back to the Pagula-Hallop match. You hope that Halep allows herself some forgiveness. I know she has perfectionist tendencies, and she probably wants to win every match 6-love, 6-love without losing a point, but perfection just isn't going to happen. In a match situation, Halep or any other player isn't going to hit 100% of the shots the way that she wants to. The match isn't going to unfold the way she thought, the way she maybe discussed with herself or discussed with her team, it's not going to unfold like that. You are going to make some mistakes. And you don't have to punish yourself 
for those. Halep doesn't need to prove anything to anybody in terms of tactics, willpower, wanting to win. We all know that she wants to do that. Maybe it would help her if she allowed herself some forgiveness. And I can speak about this and I can... I don't know if criticize is the right word, but I can express something that I would like to see from her. I've been working on that myself, allowing myself some forgiveness from perfectionism. Because I am also a perfectionist, so when Halep was winning her majors, I was really sympathetic toward that, sympathetic toward her sort of overcoming that or achieving that, achieving the perfectionism, at least in terms of winning the matches. Sip of coffee right here. Ah, nice black coffee. I left my cream out, unfortunately, and it uh, it's not doing so well, so we got black coffee. You know what? That's good radio. Let's get another sip of the coffee here. Here it is. So, Pagula wins the first set 6-2. And now, here is an example of an interesting moment in a match that can completely turn a match around. So, Halep's negative. She's down 2-6. She's serving the first game of the second set. Pagula gets two break points. 15-40 here, and as you guys know, in these kinds of matches, if you can keep the momentum rolling here, if Pagula can get this game, she could, in theory, sort of roll and the match could be kind of over, or she could potentially cruise to a 6-2, 6-2 sort of victory. And then Pagula went on an amazing run of unforced errors for the rest of the match, that she was never truly able to recover from. And I don't know if I wrote down every single unforced error, but I wrote down a lot of them. So let's just go through what I have in my notes here. So on those two break points, Pagula made unforced errors on both of them. And after after the first one, after the very first break point that she didn't get, I have in my notes here JP Neg Emo. Jessica Pagula, negative emotion. And again, when players show negative emotion from as much of a winning position as Pagula was in, that is very telling to the other player. It gives the other player a lot of information. It tells them that maybe their opponent, who has the big lead, doesn't believe they can fully close it out. Or maybe the opponent believes that they have to win 6-2, 6-2, or else the opponent is going to get back into the match. You're giving your opponent a lifeline to be able to come back in this situation. And Pagula gave Halep the emotional lifeline here, and that completely turned the match around. Pagula made another error in that game. Halep held to go up one love in the second. Then Pagula was serving. In the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, in the 5 points at the Love 1 game, she made 4 unforced errors. Halep got the break. Then Pagula got the break back, serving in her next game. Double fault, unforced error, unforced error in 5 points. Pagula loses her serve again. Then Halep holds. And then, long story short, because of... Pagula's errors. Halep's able to serve out the second set six games to three. So the match is even at one set apiece. In the third set, Pagula started uh, started serving. And let's see, it was... She was up 30... 30-15? 30-15. Yeah. And she made a long unforced error to make it 30-all. Then on game point, she made a wide unforced error. Then at deuce, a wide unforced error. And then in my notes, I wrote forced error on the break point. Sometimes you got to give the opponent a little bit of credit, you know. But four errors in eight points from Pagula in the third set after making all those errors in the second set. 
at some point, it's incumbent upon Pagula to adjust her game plan, right? Like, I understand in the moment, early in that second set, when she had the chance to stretch the lead, I understand maybe you make some errors, maybe you get frustrated, you have a bad 5-10 minutes maybe, but then, half an hour later, when you're at the start of the next set, at some point, you as the player have to change what's happening. You have to change your game somehow to make less errors, maybe make Halep hit some winners. Even if you're still losing the points, you're not making errors, right? It's something. Or you have to emotionally get over the fact that, okay, I missed that opportunity that I had 45 minutes ago. Now I have to sort of settle down and continue on with the match and try to make Halep have one of those negative moments again because she started off very negative as well. And I understand I'm just a guy sitting in a chair here, but that is my armchair quarterbacking from a passionate and observant fan. Passionate and observant. Yeah, I think that that's what I said. So, Pagula lost the first game of the third. Let's see, just going through my notes here. Fast-forwarding a little bit. Halep was serving at 1-2 in the third set. In the, in the course of that relatively extended game, I count 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 errors from Pagula in that game. Six! Then, in the game after that, Pagula lost her serve at love to give Halep the break at 3-2. Halep held on. Pagula serving at 2-4 in the third. She, she made three errors out of the bat, right out of the gate, to go down love 40. And she eventually lost the game to go down double break. And, you know, fast forward to the end. Halep does get the win over Jessica Pagula because Pagula in the second and third set made a lot, a lot of errors. Let's check the stats to see if they back me up. So in the first set, let's check the winners to Unforced specifically for Pagula. Does it tell me that? I'm not seeing that here. Why am I not seeing that on the WTA stats page? Didn't it have it the other day? Break points, total points, set, maybe it has it for the match. First point, total points. It's not here. That's not good. WTA stats. See, I, I, I was banking on the website here to give me the stats to back up my points. Return games, break points converted, first serve, service. Really? It's not here? I'm very surprised by that. Well, hey, guess what? You guys are going to have to take my word for it, okay? Simona, I mean, uh, Jessica Pagula made a lot of errors in the second and third sets. Simona Halep gets the win in, in the Toronto semifinals. 2-6, 6-3, Let's talk about the larger picture for both players. Pagula has come from not being at the top of the game three or four years ago to now being in the top ten of the game and being at the top of the game. When did she turn pro? Well, she played Indian Wells as early as 2012. From 2012 to 2020, she had one Masters quarterfinal, and that was the last one of 2020. In 2021... She made the quarters of Australia, and she made three quarters in the 1000s and the semis of Canada. Last year, or this year, sorry, so her season this year, it's a very good season. Quarterfinals of Australia, quarterfinals of the French, semis of Miami. She made her first top-tier final at Madrid, losing to Jabir, and she made the semis here. So... She's turning into a very consistent player that a good portion of the time has arrived at the later rounds of these tournaments. But now the next step is something that she should shoot for. A player like Halep has been here many times, and 
is maybe down on her luck more a little recently, but several years ago, Halep was very used to the, the stakes in these kind of situations. And maybe if it wasn't a Masters semi, maybe Pagula treats the match differently today. Maybe she doesn't make as many errors. Again, I'm just a guy sitting in a chair, just talking into a microphone, but that's my take on that. For the Halep side, her ranking has dipped, you know, from her number one days. Let me just double check to make sure she was number one. I don't want to say that incorrectly. Uh, career high ranking number one. Yeah, okay, yes. Halep is a former number one. She's Her ranking is a little less now. According to her Wikipedia page, she's ranked uh, uh, number 15 as of August 8th, and she's also the number 15 seed, so that checks out. Anyway, um, Halep's career, two-time major winner, and she has multiple 1,000 trophies. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. The most recent of which, but only one in the last four seasons. And this is only her third semifinal at a big tournament in the last in last year and this year. Semis of Wimbledon this year, just recently. Semis of Indian Wells, and now she's into the finals of Canada. This is her first big final since she won the autumn edition of Rome, played in 2020. So, Halep is going in the right direction, so that's good to see. And she is shooting for another trophy tomorrow. Let me see, what was the last title she won, period? Let's see here. So, she won a 250 in January, and that was the only title she's won in almost two years. So, this is a big moment for Halep. Halep's got 40, 23. Halep's got 23 career titles, and it's been two years. So it would be important for her to get a, a big trophy like the Canadian Open. So it'll be interesting to see what she's able to do in the final on Sunday afternoon. So that was the first day semi. That match finished at about 3.22 p.m., and that sort of bled into the start of the first men's semi by about 10 minutes. That one started at 3.12 over in Montreal. The number four seed, Casper Rude, taking on the number eight seed, Hubert Hercotch. And same thing, let's go through my match notes first, and then we'll talk about the big picture for both players. Uh, not too much to say about this one. Hercotch should have won it in straight sets, and I'll tell you why. Hercotch got up the quick three-love lead, 16 points to seven, and then Rude came back from love three down to win the first set 7-5. But from then on, Hercotch routined Casper Rude 6-3, 6-2 in the last two sets. I really don't have anything to say about that, really. In the second and third set, obviously because of the score, Rude never really felt like he had a chance to win. Hercotch never really felt like he was in danger. Let me see if I can pull up the stats here. Do we have any interesting stats on that match? Let's check the head-to-head -head first. It was... Oh, they put the head-to-head -head in already. Well done, ATP. You finally updated it, not just weekly. The head-to-head. -head. Well done. So after today, their head-to-head -head is split one and one. So they didn't have that much history. They just played at Roland Garros. Rude got that win. But this is a different kettle of, f of fish, as they say. I was going to say Swedish fish, but neither guy is Swedish. So there you go on that. Uh, let me get the stats. Second? What is that? Two... Looking at the stats here. Come on, ATP. I don't need all this fancy stuff. Just give me a number sheet. Where is it? Uh, 
taking this is this is awesome, awesome radio. You guys are listening to this whenever you're listening to it, and you're thinking, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. Just give me a simple. Ah, here we go. Here's the nice, easy stats. Okay, for the match. Let's check the stats for the match. Again, uh, again, this is this is awesome radio. Ninety to eighty-five, close for the match, but not in the last couple sets. Let's just do the second and third sets. I changed my mind. Set two. Hercotch had seventeen winners to seven unforced. That's more than rude on both accounts, and. In the third set, he had 13 winners to three unforced. Significantly more than rude. Um, what about the third set? Well, I, there, there is one thing worthy of mentioning. In the first game of the third set that Rude was serving, it was breakpoint for Hercotch, and Hercotch got a net cord to get the break, and that was kind of that for the match. You know, but even prior to that, Earlier in that game, Rude double faulted and he missed an overhead, and then he followed that up with a bad error on the next point. So, even though he got himself into the position of getting a net cord to go against him on a big point, he put himself in a bad position there. So, Hubert Hercotch, number eight seed, gets the win over number four, Casper Rude. Hercotch wins 5 7, 6 3, 6 2. In two hours and two minutes, that match finished at 5.14 p.m. Saturday evening. And Hercotch is into the final. Let's talk about the impacts for both players. Casper Ruud continues to not have a big tournament title. He's made lots of deep runs, maybe a little bit similar to Pagula. But I would say that at this point... Rude not having one of these titles is more of a problem for Rude right now than it is for Pagula. So let's look at Casper Rude the last two seasons. Let's let's read the stats here. ATP Finals semifinalist. This is 2021. Monte Carlo semi, Madrid semi, Canada quarter, Cincinnati quarter, Paris quarter, and then this season, um, Roland Garros finalist. Miami finalist, Rome finalist, sorry, uh, um, Rome semifinalist, and Canada today semifinalist. He's built his ranking number one by winning all those, a bunch of lower ranked, a bunch of lower level ATP tour tournaments, and increasingly he's got these deep runs at the big events, but he has not gone all the way yet. Does he possess the game to win one of these? He's got the game to get to the semis in the final, but in the final, he got blitzed by Rafa, and then he lost to Carlos Alcaraz in Miami, who's like a baby. Rude is still young. Obviously, there's many, many years for this to change, but at the moment, Rude kind of has to prove that he has the game to cross the finish line in one of these things. Does he want to be a perennial semifinalist, or does he want to be the guy with the trophy? That remains to be seen. And there was some talk about world number two Casper Rude, but everyone, you can rest easy at least for now. A player with the resume of Casper Rude, and what people are implying here is that it would be a weak resume to be world number two. Well, those people, you can rest easy. Casper Rude is not going to be the number two player in the world. For Hercotch, Hercotch is an interesting guy. He's a very vanilla kind of tennis player who, as I've said this week, has lost some winnable matches for sure. He's kind of a hit-and-miss guy. I mean, I'm looking here, I see lots of early-round exits. I'm talking first, second round at many big tournaments the last couple years. On the other hand... Wimbledon semis last year, Paris semis last year, Miami semis and the Canada final this year, and he won the Miami Open in 2021. So when he's on, he can play well. It's just a matter of, 
you know, he doesn't hit home runs all that often necessarily. He needs to get his batting average up in terms of being consistently good week in, week out. But he is capable of having these runs. Trivia, Hubert Hercotch was the most recent person to face and defeat Roger Federer. That was at 2021 Wimbledon. And if Hercotch were to win the tournament tomorrow, he would be in a very exclusive club of active players with two or more Masters 1000 titles. And I made the list of that. Here, that, here is that list. Obviously, the big four, Federer, Djokovic, Nadal, Murray, have many, many Masters titles. You know, I kind of don't like counting Fed in these stats at the moment because he's barely active. He's not really active. And Murray is not what he once was. So two of those guys are not really contenders to add to this stat. But take away the huge hauls of the big four. Here are the other players that have multiple Masters titles. Sitsipas. Alcaraz, Zverev, and Medvedev. That's it. And Sitsipas and Alcaraz, they both won their second this season, which means that the Masters series is definitely more open than it used to be. That's been true for several years now, probably three to five years now. The Masters series has been more open than the Grand Slams, but still it's been hard for players to get these multiple trophies. And if Hercotch is able to do that, that kind of puts him on another level. So that would be interesting if he was able to prevail in the final tomorrow. So that's what happened in the day session matches today. And we're going to take a short break here. Actually, maybe a long break. I don't know. So it's 726 on the West Coast right now. 10:26 tournament time. Carino Busta is a couple points away from closing out Dan Evans, but we'll have a match report with that match and the uh, ladies match um, in a little bit. For you guys, it's only going to be a couple seconds till we get to that, but for me, it might be a couple of hours. And uh, I'll, for a report of the night matches, I will see you guys in a moment. And welcome back. It is 7.49 p.m. on the West Coast, 10.49 p.m. tournament time. Dan Evans is serving at 1-2 in the third set against Carreno. But right now, I'd want to put a bow on the ladies' night semifinal between Haddad, Maya, and Pliskova. Unfortunately, I did not get to see this one. Hey, sometimes you just can't watch... TV for 10 hours a day, you know what I'm saying, and you can't watch them all, and no disrespect to either player, but I just couldn't make that one work today, I don't want to offer insight on a match that I did not see, so I'll just tell you the scoreline, Haddad Maya is into the final, she beat the number 14 seed Pliskova 6-4, in what I'm sure was a compelling match. The second set tiebreak was 9-7 in favor of Haddad Maya, so that could have easily gone three sets. And tough for Pliskova. She had a chance to win another match, obviously, but good for Haddad Maya, unseeded Brazilian into the semis, I mean into the finals, rather, and this is her first final at a big tournament. She has title wins this year on those two grass court tournaments and now she's here in her first hardcore final and her first Masters 1000 or Grand Slam final for Haddad Maya so good for her so let's take a look at our WTA race rankings let's pull them up googling live on the pod once again, live WTA race. So, with the results today, Pagula is at 3. Halep is up to 7, making the final. Haddad Maya is up to 17. And Pliskova will stay at 43. 
So right now, Hadad Maya is 17. If she won, she would be number nine in the race. So she would be in the top 10 of players this year if she won another match. Is this accurate? This only says Toronto Semi. Toronto Final. Toronto Semi. I'm not sure if that's correct. The the ATP WTA Live website may have finally made a mistake. But this one does have Halep in the final. So Halep's at 7 right now. And if she won, she would be... 25-91. If she won, she would be number 4. So... I'll, I'll just state that in a better way. If Halep wins, she would be number four in the race. If she loses, she'll be seven. And if Haddad Maya wins, she'll be nine. And if she loses, she'll be 17. So interesting implications for those players. So it looks like the top three is going to be all set going into Cincinnati. So after Canada... Sviantek is still one, Jabor is two, and Pagula got herself up to number three in the race this week. So that's what's happening with the WTA rankings. They're still in that same game in the Evans match. That is a long match for sure. I've been talking for a couple minutes and they're still they haven't even gotten to deuce yet in that game. Let's talk about the women's schedule for tomorrow. So championship Sunday for tomorrow in Canada. The championship is going to be the number 15 seed Simona Halep from Romania taking on the unseeded Beatriz Haddad Maya from Brazil. And that starts at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 10.30 a.m. Pacific Time. And the cable coverage will be on Tennis Channel. And for the 1,000 finals this year, Tennis Channel Plus has embargoed the match, meaning that I haven't been able to watch it on Tennis Channel Plus. So I don't know this for a fact, but if you want to watch the women's final tomorrow, you are going to have to get your eyes on the Tennis Channel cable broadcast. Obviously, you can do that by watching an actual cable TV, or on the Tennis Channel app, you can stream Tennis Channel with a, a proper authenticated cable login. So, women's final, Halep and Haddad Maya, 1.30 p.m. on Sunday afternoon, August 14th, 2022. As soon as this men's match wraps up, I'll be back to give you that. You're probably listening to that after this. So... That's what happened in the women's semifinal at night on Saturday night. We'll be back in a moment. Hello and welcome to Trips Tennis Talk, the amateur podcast about professional tennis. I realized I haven't said that yet, and we're what, 40, 45 minutes in or whatever? And here's the intro of the podcast and the final segment, but wanted to get that in there. So it's 8.40, oh, just turned to 8.50 on the West Coast, 11.50 tournament time in Canada. This is going to be the final segment of the podcast. It's kind of been a Frankenstein pod today, recording a bunch of different segments. Going to stitch them together in audacity here. I've been working on that while I've been waiting for the official schedule for tomorrow. And even though I said it already for the women, let's just go over it again. Let's talk about the coverage for tomorrow. Oh, and I should also say, the podcast today discusses semifinal Saturday at the Canadian Open. That is what you have been listening to. You've been listening to Saturday talk about the Canadian tournaments, the women in Toronto, and the men in Montreal. But since we've talked about all the matches that happened, except that one of the men's doubles semis, actually, Dan Evans has to go play a doubles semi now. That's going to start after midnight, but... 
Got to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> Not going to cover that one on this pod. God bless Dan Evans for playing two matches starting at 8 o'clock at night. Anyway, let's talk about the singles finals for tomorrow. Simona Halep is going to take on Beatriz Adad Maya. You know, I've never played the pronunciations. Let's get the pronunciations for those players. Hang on, just one moment. Okay. Okay. Halep's... Let's check out... uh, They don't have one for Halep. That's amazing. How can they not have a file for her name? What about Haddad Maya? Seriously? Am I missing something? I gotta be missing something. Maybe I'm not. Okay, well. Moving on from that. No pronunciation file on this pod. Okay, tale of the tape. Okay, uh, Haddad, Maya, and Halep have played three times. Halep holds a two-to-one edge. And they've been on two on grass and one on hard. 2017 Wimbledon, Halep won in straight sets. Kind of throw that one out. This year, they've, they've played twice this year, and they've split. At the Australian Open, Halep won 6-2-6 love on hard courts. Then in Birmingham, when Haddad Maya was going on her winning run, she beat Halep 6-3-2-6-6-4. Okay, some tale of the tape stuff. Just reading off the website here. Haddad Maya is ranked 24, Halep's 15. Career singles titles, Halep 23, Haddad Maya 2. And... Halep's age 30. Haddad Maya is age 26. As far as a prediction, I... Again, in the predictions game, I have not done too well. Let's see. What am I going to pick here? Haddad Maya or Halep? Haddad Maya or Halep? (sighs) I'm going to... I'm going to do a little heel turn here, and after not really talking about her all week, I'm going to pick Haddad Maya to win the finals on Sunday. So as a result of that, I'd like to congratulate Simona Halep on the upset win. So now I've covered myself, but officially, I'm going to go against the grain. I'm going to pick BHM to win in T-O-R in Toronto. Let's go through the men's tale of the tape, then we'll give the coverage info. So the men's final is going to be Pablo Carreno Busta against Hubert Hercotch. They've played twice. It's tied 1-1 at, at the main tour level, and they played twice last year. They played at 2021 Cincinnati. Carreno Busta won that 7-6, 7-6. Then they played in Mets in an indoor hardcourt final. Hercotch won that 7-6-6-3. So they've played four sets head-to-head at the professional level, and three of the four sets have gone to tie breaks. So hopefully that is a good sign for what will happen tomorrow. Tale of the tape, Carreno Busta is 31 years old. Hercotch is 25. What else is interesting on here? Year-to-date titles, Hercotch 1, Carreno 0. Career titles, Carreno Busta 6, Hercotch 5. And let's go through the players' career finals record. Let me do all four singles finalists here. I forgot to do that. This is good podcasting, just jumping back and forth all over the place. Haddad Maya is 2-1 and one in career finals. The one loss was five years ago, and the two wins were this year. Simona Halep is 23-18 and 18 in finals. And she has a title this year. She won a 250 in January. But again, she hasn't won a big title in a couple of years. Pablo Carreno Busta is 6-5 and five in finals. He's lost his last two. His last title was July 2021. He won the Hamburg-Hamburg 500 event held after Wimbledon in that July period when 
the tennis world kind of scatters for a month. And here is a stat. Hubert Hercotch has never lost an ATP Tour final. He is 5-0 and in his career in finals, and that covers every level. He is 3-0 and in 250 finals, 1-0 and in 500 finals, and 1-0 and in Masters 1000 finals. Hubie Hercotch, perfect Hubie, finals clutch Hubie. If Hercotch gets to the final, he's never lost. And I'm looking here, in finals, he's only ever lost one set in finals. And he's won the first set in each final that he's played. His opponents in finals, Benoit Paire, heh. Seb Korda, Yannick Sinner, Pablo Carreno Busta. So this is going to be their second final. I mentioned they played that Mets final. There it is. And he beat Medvedev a couple months ago. So besides Paire, that's a pretty good list. And the one set he lost was to pair. But that was three years ago when he was just coming up. So, perfect Hubie in the finals. I'm going to go with... uh, That gives me strength in my pick here. I'm going to say Hubert Hercotch is going to become a two-time Masters 1000 winner. So he's my pick to win the final tomorrow. And again, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Hubie. I'm sorry I made that pick. Congratulations to Carino Busta on winning. So there, I've covered myself on both, but officially I'm picking Haddad Maya and Hubert Hercotch to win the finals tomorrow. Here's the schedule. Halep takes on Haddad Maya at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. That'll be on Tennis Channel Cable. And Hubert Hercotch takes on Pablo Carreno Busta at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. That'll be on Tennis Channel Cable, and for streaming, check that out on Tennis TV. I think that just about covers it. Again, today's pod took a little longer to produce, maybe a little longer length, but it's the semifinals of a Masters 1000 event. you got to talk about it as much as you can anyway. I'm going to definitely make time to watch both finals tomorrow. Got to do that. Thanks for listening all the way to the end, truly. We'll see you tomorrow for a wrap-up from Canada and a look ahead to next week. But again, we're still in Canada, not in Cincinnati yet. Focus on Canada until it's over. This podcast was courtesy of Oregon Productions.